This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. Well, my name is Mo, one of the pastors here. If we've not had the chance to meet before, welcome. Glad that you are spending time with us today. And so over the past uh, nine weeks, this is actually our 10th week in this sermon series, What's True About You. We're going through the book of Romans. At this pace, we might be done by Easter. We'll see. Um, we, We really don't care much about that. We just want to make sure that the scripture is taught correctly and properly, and we spend as much time as the Lord would have us in each verse, in each chapter. And so we are through the first four chapters, and over these first four chapters um, in what's true about you, uh, we we learned a lot. We've gone through um, some pretty big phrases and some big words over the past few weeks, uh, phrases and words, um, you know, like power of God, wrath of God, sin of man, the law of faith, and some big words like redemption and justification and righteousness and propitiation and my favorite, penal substitutionary atonement. These are things we all learned over the past two months. We've had a bit of a master class in theology through the book, the first four chapters of Romans. And so if you haven't had a chance to catch any of that, you can two different ways. On our YouTube channel, we record each service, and so you can find it there on our YouTube channel or on our podcast, which this service will be uploaded to our podcast. Just search Conduit Church. You'll be able to find it, and you can go back and listen to some of those teachings that, that Darren shared with us, and just there's just a lot of rich, meaty um, teachings there. But today, we're going to kind of come up for air a little bit. We've been diving in the deep, um, but today we kind of come up for air, just a little bit lighter, um, because Paul kind of changes things a bit, and and beginning with uh, verse 1 of chapter 5, he uh, changes the, the, the discourse just a bit and reminds us of the benefits, the rewards of our faith. Based on what we just learned in chapters 1 through 4, now here's what we can do about that. Here's what we get to do with that. And so if you have Romans uh, chapter 5 pulled up, whether it's on your Bible or on your device, obviously it's behind me. I just want to read through this, just the first five verses of chapter 5 of Romans. Of course, this is Paul writing at the church of Rome. He is um, writing to the majority of Gentiles and a minority of Jews kind of um, with this group. It's kind of a mixed group. And this is about 60 years after uh, Christ came, died, and was resurrected, resurrected. So it's about 60 years removed from that. So that's kind of the setting in which he is teaching. And so beginning with verse 1, it says this, therefore... So what is therefore? Therefore, it is there for the first four chapters that we just learned. So therefore, so because of that, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you for how it is a living word. It's active. And may it 
change us today. May we learn something today. May we come um, closer to you because of your teaching today. We thank you for these things. Amen. As we get into this, one of the things that Paul reminds us of as he's starting into uh, chapter 5, and just in, through the book of Romans, generally speaking, he's reminding us that the, the Christian life is a, is a challenging life. Like, this is, uh, it's not just checking a box of salvation that we, that we understand the things that he's teaching in chapters 1 through 4, and that we receive the gift of salvation and everything's fine and dandy, everything's apple pie moving forward. It's not just fire insurance. We used to use that phrase back when I was a kid at an old independent fundamental Baptist church. We'd say it's not just fire insurance you know, from hell. But there is growth and transformation and sanctification, which is another big word that we're going to get to, of this Christian life. So in, in essence, it's our coming to faith is not just a single event. It is a response. It's a lifestyle of response to the gift of salvation. What we get to do as believers is a lifestyle and it's an, in response to the gift of salvation. And I want us to be reminded of the gifts that we have today. I want us to be reminded of the benefits that, that we have in our faith. Today is going to serve as a reminder. And that's what Paul is doing here at the beginning of chapter 5. And he starts off with verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice he's saying peace with God. This is different than the peace of God. You know, we refer often to the peace of God, you know, that we've talked about it this morning, that the peace of God would come over us. You know, Philippians 4, verse 7 is a very famous one, the peace of God which surpasses all understandings that it would guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God. These, this is what we pray for when we're worried, when we're concerned, when, um, when we, we have anxiety. We pray for the peace of God. We'll get to that, but that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the peace with God, that we would be reconciled unto him through the work of the cross that we just sung about, that we are redeemed and restored, and that our sinful nature was covered through the spotless lamb of Jesus Christ, his son, that he was sacrificed for us, that we would accept that, that gift of salvation that we are now at peace with God. He, he took away that sinful nature. He, he broke down that wall that separated him and I and him and you called sin. That's what's true about us is we are sinful. We are sinful humanity. But he has covered that. And so we celebrate that through the gift of salvation, through what happened on the cross. And so now we can have peace with God. And not having peace with God can kind of be like, driving down the highway with police lights behind you and not pulling over. You, you know something's not right because the authorities have gotten your attention that you've maybe broken a law or you've transgressed, you've done something to garner attention, but you are ignoring the lights and you just keep speeding forward. Has anybody ever done that? Show of hands if you have outran a police officer. <laughs> Be honest. This is, it says there's confession is good for the soul. Okay, I said be honest, and five hands went up, <laughs> including our security team leader, Cody Cawthon. I don't know whether to be ashamed or proud, but my hand's up too, and I'm going to tell you this story of the time I outran the police. Yes, 
I did. I don't know what the statutes of limitations are on this story, so I might be on the run as soon as I'm done with this. 21 years ago, I got married to my beautiful bride in the year 2000, and um, we were gifted uh, the use of one of my really good friend's car, okay? There it is. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with the little windows there, but shouldn't those go down too? Maybe I didn't push another button. But anyways, we were gifted the use of this 1998 black Ford convertible Mustang GT 5.0 liter turbo. Did I get that right, babe? Yeah. She, my wife knows. She is a car fanatic. And so we were, give, we were given the, the, this gift to be able to use this on our trip to Mackinac Island, which, which is where we went for our honeymoon, Upper Peninsula. If you've ever been up there this time of year, it's just unbelievable. Um, and if you've also ever been up there, you know that there's, there's in the upper, upper Peninsula or the UP, there's no traffic. And the roads are straight away. So you can imagine... Me going 110 miles an hour on this thing, I couldn't feel it. I felt like I was going the speed limit. It's top down, I've been married for 24 hours, we are cruising, living wild and free. <laughs> Music's cranked, it's like the most glorious scene as you can imagine, just paint the picture. Out of the peripheral, I'm driving. I'm in the slow lane, I'm the only one there. But in my peripheral, in the fast lane, is a Dodge Caravan full of kids and a dad who apparently wants to race. <laughs> he pulls up beside me, and I'm, I was going faster than the suggested speed limit, and he was too, and it's as if we just automatically stepped into this contract, whether anybody else knew it or not, we just stepped into a race, both of us. And he's edged up, like he's, he's passing me. Like, I don't know what's under the hood of a Dodge Caravan built in the 90s, but it was way more than I thought it was. And so, of course, I'm like, okay, I'm not just going to let him buy. No, I'm 20 years old, just married, living the time of my life. I'm going to show this guy a thing or two. So I step on it and like getting shot out of a cannon, going down the highway. He's in my rear view and, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about myself. And, uh, and then it happened again. He comes up, he comes around. It's like the scene out of uh, uh, Christmas Vacation, you know, Clark Griswold. It's like, this is happening in real life. Like, this dude is like not letting it go. And the kids are waving, they're laughing, they think it's hilarious, and they're trying to pass me. And the next thing I know, it's like we're going on turn three of Bristol. We're coming around the edge here, this corner, this, this bend, and we're racing. I just can't believe what's happening. So anyways, I hit it again. Of course, you come around the bend and there's a Michigan State Trooper doing his job. <laughs> and he sees what's happening and it's like he just got two big bites of bait for his fish because there's nobody else around here. So he's just about to get a two for one special. So he thinks. And I had a decision to make. And I made the decision to go faster. <laughs> to see what this engine really can do. This Ford Mustang was built in Michigan, and I'm gonna do the honor of showing how big this engine can actually go. So we bolted, like, took off. Like, I've never felt the G-forces like that before. I didn't know it could do that. I also didn't know how my brand new wife would respond to this decision. Thankfully, she was just as excited as I was, and so we took off, we come around the bend, and it's, it's as if the Lord just provided a way. 
And like, I don't know how this is possible, but he provided a way. There was a, there was a rest stop available. So there's a rest stop. So we pull in behind the rest stop, pull around to the far back, put it in park, turn it off, and look at each other. What have we just done? This feels bad. This is also like life-giving. Like we felt like Bonnie and Clyde. Like we just didn't know what was going to happen. So we kind of let the dust settle, and we're like listening for sirens and kind of looking like, is he coming for us? So we had, you know, we had to leave. We couldn't stay there forever. So we pull out back onto the highway. We're coming down the off-ramp back onto the highway and turn the, the, the bend there. And that state trooper has that minivan pulled over, writing him a ticket, and we wave as we go by. <laughs> and he's waving with the number one. And uh, we got away with it. We got away with it. There's a smattering of applause right here. I don't know. Is that good? We got away with it. We did it. But many times we kind of live our lives this way in our Christian faith. We've got warning signs behind us that we need to pull over and reconcile some things, but we're just blowing right by. We don't want to deal with it. Maybe if we just go faster, maybe if we get busier, we don't have to deal with it. Or maybe we can just kind of hide out over here for a little bit. Maybe nobody will notice. But that's not what this is talking about. He wants us to have peace with him, peace with God. And we are to make peace with God. And the important point of this is really kind of found in this this verse, Ephesians 2, 13 through 16. This is, again, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. He's really explaining the same thing, the same biblical principle. He says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, the blood of Christ, the sacrifice, this cross. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of, has, the dividing wall of hostility. That wall that separated us is no longer. The veil has been torn. That's good news. Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, which was Romans 1 and 2, if you remember, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Do you understand the good news that he's describing there and reminding us is that we have been redeemed and restored and reconciled unto Jesus because of what happened on the cross? We don't have to do that on our own anymore. We don't have to keep checking the box and, and doing all of the, the list of things that makes us good. We can receive this free gift of reconciliation unto Jesus. That's what he's explaining here. We can have peace with God. And I think it's important to note, and I think this is the biggest takeaway for me this week in looking at this, is that we can't have the peace of God unless we have peace with God. A lot of us are searching for the peace of God, and we've never dealt with this. We've never made things right. We don't have peace with God. I mean, we we all have relationships where maybe um, there was a misunderstanding or or we've wronged one another, and there's just not something right between you and that other person. Like, you know how that feels. You don't have peace with one another, and that's what Jesus is asking us to do, that we would make peace with him that we would accept forgiveness. We would maybe forgive ourselves as he has forgiven us. And so that's peace, that we would have the peace of God once we have peace with God. 
And so once we have peace with God, we are then given permission. Verse 2 of chapter 5 says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. That we would obtain access in faith, that we would have access, that we would be given permission to the throne. Many of you in this room, um, you've had a, a tour pass. You guys, we have a lot of musicians and um, artists in this room. And um, I was an artist manager for a decade in the Christian music industry. And that's how Darren and I met. And we have a lot of stories. I've got a lot of stories I could tell. But one of the cool things is being in that role is you're given an all-access tour pass. Like if you're at a show or at a concert or on tour or at a festival, you're given an all-access tour pass. You wear it proudly around your neck or on your, on your belt, you kind of strut a little bit more when you got that on, because you have all access, no questions asked to any venue, any door, any part. Like, you can just walk right into catering and just eat as much as long as you want. As, I, mean, I never did that, but I know there's people that do do that. Or you can just walk into any part of the venue. You can walk side stage, backstage, on stage if you want. No questions asked because you have an all-access pass. And that is what this is referring to when he says we have access and faith. Because we've been made right or righteous, we have peace with God, we now have permission and access to the throne. This is my visual aid for today. I don't know if God's throne is metal and leather, but it might be. But we have access to the throne. And even more than that, this word in the New Testament, the Greek, it's used three different times. And more specifically, it refers to not just having access, but having audience with God. That's how it's rendered, that you have audience with God. Not only do you have access, access, you have his full attention. That just means more. I have a grown son. He got married this summer to his lovely bride, Lauren. So they're out of the house, which is awesome. But on Sundays after church, they come, they come over for dinner or for lunch, which is even more awesome. And him, as my son, uh, he has full access to the house. He doesn't have to ring the doorbell or knock on the door. Uh, he can just come on in to any part of the house. And he finds his way into our pantry, that's for sure, in our refrigerator. Um, full access, no questions asked. He is welcome into my home as my son. And what's even more than that, he has my full attention. As we sit around the table and we commune and, and break bread, we have lunch together, and he gets to tell me about his day, and he gets to tell me those things that are going on in his life. He has my full attention. Not only does he have access to my house, but he has my full attention. That's, that's how this word is being described. That's the weight of this word in this scripture, that we have access to the throne, that we, can, we have access to the Father through Christ Jesus. Through Jesus, we now have access to the Father. Do we realize how powerful that is, that we can crawl up into his lap? You know, all those worries and all those frustrations and everything that, we're, that we deal with, that we are dealing with, or maybe you're dealing with, we can carry those and bring those to dad's house. And sit at his table and pull up a chair next to him and just talk. And it says he has, we have his full attention. He's not busy doing other things. No, he's, he's listening. 
may we be reminded of that, that we have permission. Once we have peace with God, we have permission and all access to the throne, that we not, would not take that for granted or forget that. You know, this was brand new news for uh, the Old Testament Jews. Like Paul is telling them this, this is brand new information because then what they knew is that it required a priest to enter into the Holy of Holies once a year at the temple. And that one priest would, would go in on behalf of the entire church. That was no longer the case. He was explaining to them what Jesus said in the red letters of John 14, 6, which says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life that no one comes to the Father but through me. We now have access to the Father. That is, should be freeing information, liberty, joy, that we have access to the Father. Ephesians 2, verse 18. Again, this is Paul talking. He says, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you have time of need, if you're in, if there is a time or a season of your life where you have need, this is saying, the Bible is saying that we have confidence and boldness to just enter in. Just like my son, when he comes over to my house, he can just barge all in. If he needs dad, like he knows where to find me. We have that same access with the father. May we not forget the permission that we have to the Father and the power that comes from that so that we can go into the world and deal with life on life's terms, knowing that our faith and hope rests not through us or something that we can do or something that we've tried to do, but through Christ and the Father. He then empowers us with the Holy Spirit to go into the world and live. And that's what he's talking about in these next couple verses, which is the third point, perseverance. We're able to persevere. Romans 5, 3, and 4 say not only so, or not only that, not only those things I just described in verses 1 and 2, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Gosh, that's a good verse. When we were in uh, school, when you were in school, elementary, middle school, high school, you know, we would be given tests, right? We would be given pop quizzes, maybe just to learn something that maybe the teacher described the day before. You'd be given a pop quiz. And then, you know, maybe it was a test over the chapter that they just went through that week. You were given a test. And then, you know, end of the semester, you're doing midterms to learn what you just learned through that first semester. And then by the end, you're having a, you have a final exam. Okay, and if you pass the test of the final exam, you move to another level, right? That's kind of what he's describing here, that we are jumping grade levels in our faith. And when we pass the test and we move to that next level, it's more intimacy with him, that next level of intimacy, that next level of dependence. And we find is when we go through these trials and tribulations and these hardships and these sufferings that's described in here, what we learn is that we learn about ourselves and that we need more humility and that our complete and total reliance on him is what gets us through. 
those tests, they're critical in passing them to move to the next grade level. A lot of us are, are believing and hoping and relying on a doctorate level of faith when we're living a life down here in middle school. Like we, we don't want to pass those tests. We don't want to take those tests because they're hard. I mean, nobody wants to take a test. They're hard, especially if you're not studying. So the Lord calls us to embrace those challenges, those hardships, because we have the strength and the power of the Son and the Father. He reminds us of this as well in James. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. One of my favorite books of the Bible, one of my favorite passages of the Bible, but uh, it's an odd one. He says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking anything. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials or tribulations or hardships. Consider it pure joy. Who says that? I don't say that. Maybe I should say that. But apparently there's another, another level besides just joy. Like it's pure joy. He doesn't just say just consider it joy, but he says pure joy. Who would say anything like that when a trial and a hardship comes our way? Those that are in Christ, believers, those that have peace with God and have permission to the Father and now living in a world that's hard, we can now say that we can persevere because we have those things with us. We can say, count it all joy. It says rejoice. Like that most recent thing that was hard for you. I'll just pick on Jamie. That was a hard thing. That was a scary thing. He says to count it all joy. Like to rejoice and proclaim. It's hard to do. But that's what he calls us to. And we have the power to do that. Because it's a testing of our faith. And it's the testing of our faith that brings us to another level of intimacy and dependence upon Christ. And that's the goal. Less of us more of him. Spurgeon has this quote that's just honest. It's just a really honest take on this passage. And he's kind of saying it kind of snarky a little bit. He says, tribulation worketh patience, says the apostle. Naturally, it is not so. Tribulation worketh impatience, Impatience misses the fruit of experience and sours into hopelessness. Ask many who have buried a dear child or have lost their wealth or have suffered pain of body. They will tell you that the natural result of affliction is to produce irritation against providence, rebellion against God, questioning, unbelief, petulance, and all sorts of evils. But... What a wonderful alteration takes place when the heart is renewed by the Spirit. Because when he says up here, he says, and they will tell you that the natural result of affliction is to produce these things. We have a supernatural power that can overcome. And we are filled with the Spirit to endure. You know, runners have to learn endurance, right? Like they, they want to run long distances and they have to build up to that. I am not one of those people, but you have to kind of build up to that. Like my, my one mile is pathetic. I'm not even going to say. 
but maybe if I did it more often, I could do it quicker. Like I would build up some endurance. Same applies to our faith, that we would endure, that we would learn to endure that every challenge that comes our way, a, tribu- the, a tribulation, a challenge, a temptation, a hardship, a heartbreak, a frustration, you fill in the blank, whatever that is, that you would pass the test and have hope and have next level intimacy with Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's, that's what the Lord is asking of us. He's asking us to make ourselves right with him so that we can have permission to enter with the Father, that he would then fill us with the Holy Spirit to go out into the world. And so now we are tasked to do the work, to do the work of the Father, and to share this good news with the lost. I love the, the end of this little verse says, says this in James 1, 2 through 4, I think it's verse 4. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I think it's fair to say that we could probably do an inventory on society as a whole and and see that there is an overwhelming amount of immaturity taking place. I think that's a fair assessment. What could it look like with a whole cast of believers working and operating in maturity, lacking nothing? having the full complement of benefits of our faith in the Holy Spirit, stepping into a world that's broken, that's sinful, that's lost. What kind of impact could we make today, this week, in our workplace, in our families? May we not forget the power that we have and the assignment that's been given. Know the assignment. We have the power of the Holy Spirit in us And it says we will lack nothing. And in Romans 5, the last verse, Romans 5, 5, says, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We don't have to run on empty. You don't have to run on empty on the Holy Spirit. He can fill that up. In fact, it says he pours it in. How refreshing of a thought is that? So maybe today, so I would ask that maybe today, maybe, maybe you don't have the peace of God because you've never made peace with God. And maybe this is the first time you've heard this really good news that you can have peace with God. I would love to tell you more about that. There are some incredible disciples of Jesus in this room that would love to share the good news that comes with this, finding peace with God. Perhaps you have peace with God, but for whatever reason, you, for, you have forgotten the power and the access and the permission you have to the Father. And you don't seek him as much as you should. You don't commune with him. You're not in prayer. You're, you're, you're not in the word. So I would encourage you this week maybe to change some of those habits and remember that you have permission, you have all access to the Father. What, what does that look like for you this week? And maybe you are running on E. Maybe you're, you're in the world, you are in the thick of it, and it is just hard right now. We would pray that the Holy Spirit would just fill you up. It says that he would. That just this refreshing spirit would come about you 
and that it would just transform your heart. An alteration would take place that would look completely different. That you can go into the world and be a light, be an encouragement. More than just an encouragement, but tell somebody else that's lost about this good news that we're all walking around with. Church, there is a sense of urgency. There is work to be done. We know how this story ends. We are on the winning team. We need to act like it and look like it and surround ourselves with believers and lock arms together, operate with full hearts, the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. So as we stand and we are dismissed and we pray, I just want to ask and challenge you this week, first and foremost, to make sure you have peace with God. And that once you have peace with God, the peace of God will come over you. That we can walk around with the peace of God in our hearts. And not anxiety and this darkness and this confusion. That is not of God. The peace of God. This is such a great chapter. This is such a great book. It's a calibration of sorts to our faith. I pray it challenges us not to just remain status quo, that we would learn these biblical truths, that we would live in them and breathe in them, that we would leave here differently than when we came in here today, and that we would be about our Father's business in the world. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you for uh, the believers that are here today. Lord, I pray that you will just wash over them in spirit and in truth the good news of the gospel. May we be reminded of the permission and the access that we have to your throne in in relationship with you, Lord. I pray that we are empowered to then take that into the world through your Holy Spirit, God, and make a difference. That people would notice that something's different about us. That we would be hope dealers. Lord, we would deal out hope left and right with the good news of the gospel in our faith, that our faith would be tested and tried, Lord, that we would pass the test and we would find ourselves more intimate relationship with you. Thank you for what you're doing in this place, Lord. I ask just protection as we leave today. Give us a productive week in the kingdom for you, in your name, amen. Have a good week, church.